Welcome to Rebuilding. This podcast is designed to help the church rebuild its walls one person at a time. For more information, check us out at www.piercepoint.org. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, starting at verses 2, verse 2, and going through verse 6. These are the words of God. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it, prayer, with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Verse 5 and 6. You can go on to verse 5 and 6. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. In the closing remarks that Paul gives to um, to the Colossian church, he actually offers up two exhortations for the people, two, two teachings, two calls for the people to live by. The very first one is this, that he is calling the people to be devoted to prayer, but not just devoted to the idea of prayer or devoted to just an act of prayer, but also devoted to prayer with a specific attitude in their heart. And this is where it becomes challenging for us to remember that we are called to prayer, devoted prayer, with thanksgiving in our heart. Now, quick show of hands, how many of you would say that there are times when you're praying that you're not really thankful, that you're just kind of, well, you're kind of nagging God? Okay, how many, how many of you would say that? Yeah. So, so the idea here is that we're supposed to be a people of consistent, perpetual prayer with a specific attitude, the attitude of thanksgiving. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today. The second exhortation is that we are also supposed to conduct ourselves with wisdom. That's what the second half, verses 5 and 6, conduct ourselves with wisdom. Uh, and that is marked specifically by appropriate speech, that, that goes far beyond the fact that we should clean up our language. That goes far beyond the fact that we should, we should be careful with the words that we choose to use. It should go beyond that to the point of constantly speaking things that build one another up. Constantly speaking things that draw uh, out uh, devotion to Christ if we're speaking to Christians. And if we're dealing with what Paul is talking about, which is uh, with wisdom towards outsiders, if we're speaking to the world, we need to make sure that our speech is uh, enticing. I I don't know any other way to put it. It's not that you need to be uh, in sales training for Jesus, but the idea here is that he has offered us the world. He has offered us eternity. He has given us life and life abundantly. So what we're telling the world that we have is quite big. It's quite lofty, right? So Paul concludes this with two exhortations, devotion to thankful prayer, wise conduct, and appropriate speech. And all of that has... uh, uh, intimately linked to it, the idea of grace. And we're going to talk about that next week as we wrap out our uh, series on Colossians. But this week, we're going to look more specifically at prayer because prayer is one of those ideas that we struggle with. Show of hands, how many of you would say that that's the weakest part of your spiritual journey? 
It's the weakest part of your spiritual journey. It is, it is a question that is asked on, uh, on polls all the time. How strong is your devotion in this area, this area, and this area? Specifically, how, how strong is your devotion to prayer? Maybe on a scale of 1 to 10. And people often answer very low on this. This is one of those devotions or one of those spiritual disciplines that people struggle with greatly. But here's why I think we struggle with it greatly. I think we struggle with it greatly because we don't know what it really is. I've shared this with you guys many times. I think we, um, we uh, overly spiritualize some things. I think we mysticize some things. We make them out to be some sort of really strange practice that we're supposed to do. When prayer, in its nuts and bolts, is a very simple thing. It's a thing that your mind can understand. Just in the same way that, that the mystery of the gospel is what you heard, which caused you, which brought you to saving faith in Jesus Christ, that spiritual mystery that was before the foundation of the world, just, because, just when you heard that you came to Jesus, that same spiritual nature to prayer is understandable. It is understandable. It is something that you can plug into. One of the reasons why we struggle with prayer so much is because we don't understand it. And so this morning, I know that you all have a file folder for prayer. It's very clear in your head. You have a file folder that you ought to. You have a file folder for some ideas of what it is. And today, all I want to do is I want to provide you with some files for that folder. Okay? I want to give you some ideas for what prayer looks like. And we're going to look at those ideas as per what Paul calls the people to pray for and what he prays for. Uh, prayer is, is interesting. This meme, I found this meme uh, this week. And it's funny because this is how most of you feel when it comes to prayer. Well, look at this crazy meme that, that I'm going to put up here. Come on, guys. Put that picture up there. Yes, no, maybe so. Praying publicly. The words in my head, <laughs> the words that come out of my mouth. How many of you feel like you look like that when you start praying? You're like, yep, I'm an idiot. Okay, well, we can fix that. We can fix that, right? You can look like this dog again. I don't know that you want to look like a dog. But you can look like the guy on your left uh, again. And that comes by you giving yourself uh, to the instructions of what prayer is all about according to the scriptures. Listen, this is not as complicated as people make it out to be. So let's look at prayer and let's kind of dig into this in detail. Uh, you're going to bounce around through the book of Colossians. So Colossians 1, chapter 3 is where we would start with this. Colossians 1, chapter 3, here's what we read here. Paul, speaking to the Colossian church, he's heard of their faith, their hope, and their love. Uh, and he speaks to them and he says, we, that's his entourage, that's his pastoral group, if you will, uh, that are going to these churches and writing these letters. He says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Okay, so what's happening here? What's happening? Leaders, in this respect, are praying for their people. So we're going we're gonna to highlight that as a really important thing. The second uh, passage I want you to see is found in 9 and 10 of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 9 says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, your faith, hope, and love, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, that's God's will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And look at what verse 10 goes on to say. 
so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So the second piece that we see here is actual uh, leaders praying for their people, but the substance of the prayer. That becomes a sticking point in prayer most of the time. I don't know what to pray for. And Paul says, here it is. Just pray for these things. This would be pretty simple. Or if nothing else, even if it's not in some sort of didactic fashion where Paul says, you ought to pray these things, it is to be understood that if we're imitating Paul as he imitates Christ, we would imitate how he prays. And so we see that quite clearly here. And then when we go back to chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, we read again, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it, that is prayer again, with an attitude of thanksgiving. Of course, we're back to the heart. Praying at the same time for us as well. So now what's happening? Now Paul is saying for the people to pray for their leaders. So here are three observations that I think you should write down. I think that you should put uh, in that folder in your brain for when you're praying. And listen, if you get to nothing else during your prayer time throughout the week, start here. We can build on prayer as we go further. But if you're a person that's confused and you're lost and you feel like when you're praying, you're just rambling or meandering about, bring it back to these absolute concrete ideas and it will help you. So the first one is this, that Paul prays for them. I want to speak to any leader that's in the room. You have a responsibility to pray for the people that you lead. I believe that this goes beyond the church world. I believe that this goes into your Christian life in every aspect. So if you're a leader in any capacity, pray for the people under you. If you are in ministry in particular, you have a responsibility. You have a thou shalt uh, pray for those people under you. Why? Because they need you praying for them. Isn't it amazing to read a letter in Scripture and find out that the Apostle Paul, who writes most of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, who people love and adore because of his uh, great theological and doctrinal wisdom, in this time was praying directly for those people. Now, we have a new version of Paul in our world today. We think very highly of Paul. We think he's like that awesome uh, college professor who knew all this stuff. The people in Paul's day didn't like Paul very much. Did you know that? Paul yelled at them. Did you know that? Paul was mean to them. Paul said things that they didn't get. Did you know that? Peter actually speaks of this in his epistle. He says, some of you say that Paul's hard to understand. Not so. You just twist his words. (laughs) You have a problem in your head, okay? The idea is Paul wasn't the guy we paint the picture of. But, But here's what I really want you to understand. As a leader, he was praying for his people. As a leader, guess who he was mimicking? He was mimicking his leader, which is Jesus. Jesus prayed for his disciples. Jesus prayed for the world. And whether you know this or not, in the Gospel of John, you find out that Jesus was actually praying for you and I. The byproducts of the work of those early disciples. We are a product of that. Jesus was praying for us. That should encourage you. And every person that you lead will be encouraged when they know that you are praying for them. Everybody that you lead will be encouraged when they know that you're praying for them. The second thing that I want you to see is that we are to pray for our leaders. Paul actually specifically asks for prayer. Please pray for us, okay? And then, it's amazing, because he gives the content of his prayer as well. 
You say, Nathan, I want to pray for my leaders. I don't know what to pray for. Good, I'm going to give you that too. Okay, But be praying for your leaders because this is really important. So what does he say to them in Colossians chapter 4? He says this, Praying at the same time for us as well that God will open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned. I want to speak to something really quick. It's not really in line with this. It's in the text, but it's just not in line with the theme today. Uh, Too many people see the phrase, mystery of the gospel, and they allow it to stay a mystery. Okay? And here's what we do. We use that mystery of the gospel as an excuse for us to never open our mouths and talk about Jesus. Do you notice what he asked them to do? He asked them to pray for him that he would make known the mystery of the gospel. It is no longer a mystery. Salvation comes by one alone. His name is Jesus Christ, and he came to save all y'all. That's how you say it, Curtis, y'all. <laughs> okay, so all y'all. He came to save all y'all, and he loves you deeply. The mystery of the gospel has been revealed. Do we fully understand it sometimes? Maybe not. But Paul wanted them to pray for him so that he would make known that mystery. So let's get off of this idea that says, well, it's really hard. There's a mystery here. I can't figure it out. No, you're not trying hard enough. Let me be honest with you. You're not trying hard enough. Or you're scared. I get that. You're scared to share your faith with the rest of the world. Fine. Well, guess what? In some ways, the Apostle Paul was too. He prayed, will you, he asked them, will you pray for me that I might have boldness, that I ought to speak the words as I ought to? As I ought to? Well, isn't this Paul? Isn't he like Superman? <laughs> Doesn't this guy just get it? No, no. Sometimes it gets really painful when you get uh, abused and beaten down for professing the truth of Jesus. It makes it really difficult. So what does, he pray, what does he ask them for? He says, I pray that you would, uh, or I ask that you would pray for us for an open door. This is a common theme through the Apostle Paul's letters. In 1 Corinthians 16, 9, 2 Corinthians 2, 12, and Acts 14, 27, the Apostle Paul says the exact same words. Pray for an open door. Pray for an open door. Pray for an open door. So the people are supposed to pray for their leaders for an open door to the ministry of the gospel. Now, to take a quick step here before we get into the third uh, observation or the third piece that you need to put in your file folder, uh, understand this. He always asks them to pray for an open door. There is something that the Apostle Paul never asks people to pray for. And I, I know this is going to be staggering to you. This is going to be something that you go, hold, hold, hold on a second, Nathan. I don't think that's true. The Apostle Paul never asks the people to pray that people would accept Jesus. It's an amazing thing. Why? Because people have to make a decision. People have to surrender to the message that is life-giving and life-changing. He says, pray for an open door. He says, I would pray that you would, uh, I would ask that you would pray for me that I would have boldness. But he never says, pray for them to just accept Jesus. Why? Why is that? That seems strange, doesn't it? Well, I'm not suggesting that he's not asking that at some point. 
We see in Romans, in Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 1, he says, My heart's desire and my prayer is that they may be saved. Okay? That was, that's Paul saying, here's my prayer. I'm praying that they would be saved. Well, Nathan, there you go. He's praying for individuals to be saved. He's praying for the Jewish people to repent and become followers of the Messiah who came for them. Okay? You need to connect these dots here. Okay? He's praying for that. In every case in which Paul is looking for an open door, he's looking for an open door in a collective sense. He prays for an open door in his missionary journeys. What does Paul do? In the book of Acts, chapter 14, it says that God closes a door in Asia. It says the Holy Spirit prevented him from going there. And it, uh, he gave him a vision in the night of a man from Macedonia saying, come over to here. Guess what happened when Paul got to Macedonia? Everybody in the world came to know Jesus. No. Everybody did not come to know Jesus. The open door was to a place. The open door was to a, a, an area in which Paul could share the faith. And guess what? There were a couple of churches started in that. God gave him an open door to open his mouth. God gave him an open door to change people. Listen to me, church, very clearly. If we could just pray, God save them, why do we need to preach? Why do we need to share the gospel? What's the point? Why don't we just go, God, just save everybody? Can we just skip to the end? Can we just get there? Of course, we could do that. That's not what God says. How can they believe unless they have someone preaching the word of God to them? Romans goes on to say. It's an amazing idea, right? So Paul says this. He says, number one, I want you as leaders, my, I'm a leader, you as leaders, you ought to be praying for your people. Follow our example. Second of all, you should be praying for us. You should be praying for us. And here's the specific content. Pray that we have an open door for the gospel and pray that we would boldly walk through it. Pray that we have an open door to the gospel, for the gospel, and pray that we would boldly walk through that open door. Listen, if I can ask you to pray anything for me, I would not ask you to pray for my family. That's great if you get time. I would not ask you to pray for the finances of our church or for this or for that. Those may be connected to things, but here's what I would ask that you would pray for me. I ask that you would pray for me on a daily basis that God give me an opportunity to share the gospel every day of my life. I'm praying that, I'm asking you to pray for me that God would give me an open door and, don't stop there, I'm asking that you would pray that God give me an open door and the boldness to walk through that open door. Only through the power of the gospel, church, only through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ will the world be changed. The world will not be changed by our social gospel. The world will not be changed by our philanthropy. Although great, it will not be transformed by that. What if we gave all the poor people in the world all that they ever wanted but forfeited their soul by not sharing Jesus with them? What's the point? What is the point? We've gotten ourselves off track when it comes to what kingdom work really looks like inside of the church. Kingdom work is not you going to work and just living a good life and, and showing people that that's how you do it as a Christian. Kingdom work is when you preach the name of Jesus. Kingdom work is when you further the ministry of Jesus. When you share the gospel and people's lives are radically transformed. Church, please, please, please pray for me. 
Pray for me. Pray that I be given that opportunity every day. And then pray that I have the boldness to just step out there and go, okay, you may think I'm crazy, but this is who saves. This is the only one who saves. I, I, can't, I can't overstate this, church. We've really screwed this up. We've really screwed this up. The world has gotten into our hearts and into our minds as Christians, and it has gotten us off track on things that sound really good. Things that sound really noble. We feel great about helping the person down the street. We love offering Christmas baskets to kids across the, across the pond, across the way, wherever we're doing it. These are wonderful things, but that's wonderful. Operation Christmas Child is wonderful because we have a gospel tract, a part of it. We have a gospel declaration being a part of it. If all we ever did, guys, was, was convert the church into another philanthropic organization, we will have forfeited territory to the enemy. Do you hear me? This is really important. So pray for me in that respect. Pray for Barney in that respect. Pray, pray for Mark. Pray for the leaders of our church that God would open doors and that we would walk through those doors. So the third observation. Third observation is this. That the substance of Paul's prayer is actually something that he, he makes abundantly clear to us, okay? The substance of that prayer. He's prayed these things in so many different places, but one of the most amazing ones is in Ephesians 6. If you parallel Colossians with Ephesians, you're going to see so many unbelievable parallels. It's just going to be, you're going to be like, wait a minute, it's almost like he copied this letter, right? Well, he wrote both of them, so he might have, right? That's what you do when you're in school. How many of you have gone to college? You're in school, right? You scab off of an old paper and paste it into a new one. Yes, I know what you do. Anyway, I do the same thing. So look at the content of the prayer, okay? Pray for your leaders, right? Leaders, pray for your people. If you're praying for your leaders, what is the content of that prayer? At least pray for them that they would have an opportunity for the gospel and the boldness to walk through that door, okay? But look at these other content, the other content of our prayer. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf. So the first thing that we have to see is persistence inside of our prayer, okay? We're gonna get to we're gonna get to the power of this substance in just a second. But we need to be persistent. We need to be persistent. Do you know what that word persistent means? It's devotion. It means to busy yourself with. Busy yourself with. How many of you avoid prayer? Come on. How many of you avoid it at times? You're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Prayer is not supposed to be burdensome, but it is supposed to be busysome. That's a coined new word, okay, right? It's supposed to be busy some. It's supposed to be something you do. How many of you know the story of Mary and Martha in the New Testament? Mary and Martha. How many of you all remember that Martha was busy and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus? How many of you miss the fact that the, the, the Gospels also say that Jesus deeply loved Martha? He does love Martha. She's a hard worker, but Jesus still loves Martha. Here's the deal. Both Mary and Martha were busy. I hope you know that. Martha was busy with unimportant matters in that moment, and Mary was busy with important matters in that moment, sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know what you ought to be busy with? 
sitting at the feet of Jesus. You ought to be busy in a time of prayer. So Ephesians, he says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit and with this in view, to be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. What should you be praying for, church? All the saints. Look at the person next to you and say, I should be praying for you. Come on, Jerry. Come on, Curtis. <laughs> I should be praying for you. I should be praying for you. We should be praying for each other, church. So with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf, again, here's this utterance, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am also an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now back to Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10. Write this content down. This is important or highlighted in your Bible. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, that is their faith, hope, and love, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. What should we be praying for, church? That every one of those saints that I just asked you to be praying for would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. How many of you want to know what God's will is? Now, if you, put your hand, if you keep your hand down, you are just being stubborn, right? You want to know what the will of God is. Every single one of us says this. Like, how do I know what God's will is? I want to know the will of God. Well, look, we should pray for it. We should pray that you be filled with the knowledge of God's will. But guess what? It comes a certain way. It's amazing. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see, when you open your Bible, earth-shattering revelation here. When you open your Bible, spiritual words that were spiritually breathed for our benefit, when you open your Bible, spiritual wisdom and understanding comes. One of the greatest problems with the will of God discussions in the modern church is yet again, we've individualized everything. What's God's will for Nathan today? Get up, Nathan. Listen and obey me. That's it. It's pretty awesome, right? Do I think that God has specific calls for specific things at times? Absolutely. We see it in Abraham's life. We see it in Moses' life. But what else do we see in Scripture? A whole lot of nothing happening. A whole lot of people just obeying God because he's called them to walk after him. Amen? This is what we're supposed to do, okay? So if you want to know the will of God and you don't want to open your Bible, you have a problem. The problem is you can't know the will of God. You're going, God, I want you to speak to me. God, I want you to speak to me. God's going, I did. I did. I love this statement. I heard it a long time ago. I wish I would have come up with this. Most of what I say, it's just copied from somebody else, you know. But, uh, but it was, do you want to hear God's voice? You want to hear God's voice? Yes, read your Bible. You want to hear it out loud? Read it out loud. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Have your wife read it to you. Have your husband read it to you. Whatever, right? You want to hear God's voice. But here's the point. He says, here's what I'm praying for, that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And what we know from the study in Colossians is the next three chapters are Paul unpacking the wisdom of God to the people. He doesn't pray for them and say, go home and make this spiritual experience out of it. No. He says, I pray that you would be given spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, 
Get a pad and pencil. Get a paper. Get your pencil. I'm going to give you some things that you need to take note on. So why would God want us to know the will of God? Why would we need to pray for these things for the saints? Look at what verse 10 says. This is the Christian life, church. This is the Christian life. So that you will. Paul, have the people pray for me. Have the people pray for me that I might know the will of God. Have it delivered to me through spiritual wisdom and understanding, through the teaching of your word, through the growing, sharpening of the saints. Do that so that I can. Here's what our prayer should be. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You want to know what the will of God is? There it is. This, is, this, is, this takes a college degree. <laughs> okay, right? So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him. Say this with me, church. In all respects. There's not an area of your life that should not be gospel-focused. Uh, It's not an area of your life that should not have as its center motivation pleasing our Heavenly Father. So you can't come to church on Sunday, worship Jesus, and then go yell at your wife when you leave. Can't do it. Can't do it. Because why? Because you're supposed to please Him in all respects. You're supposed to honor Him through the way you lead your family. You're supposed to honor Him through the way you raise your children. Amen? This is huge stuff, right? So please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and here's what else is going to happen when this is going on. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Sounds circular, Paul. This sounds really strange. So what you've said is that, is that we need to pray for people so that they be given the knowledge of the will of God through Knowledge of the will of God through spiritual wisdom and understanding. Okay, that all makes sense. So that they can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So that they can please him in all respects. So that they can bear fruit in every good work. And that in bearing fruit, they increase in the knowledge of God. Yeah, it's a crazy cycle. It's a crazy cycle. When you bear fruit, you know what is pleasing to God. This is really important. When you're bearing fruit in your life, you know whether or not you're pleasing to God. How many... Candid question, honest question. How many of you wonder sometimes if your life is pleasing to God? How many of you wonder, God, am I pleasing to you? How many of you wondered it in years past? You were like, I don't even know if he, I don't even know if he ever loved me. You wonder those things. But here's, here's one of the key evidences you know that you're walking in his will and you're walking in his love and his compassion, that his fruit is being produced inside of your life. You need to look at your life. You need to let a fellow Christian look at your life and say, wow, there's, there ought to be more fruit than this. You know what we do when fellow Christians do that? We say, quit judging me. Stop being so judgmental. Stop being so bossy. Stop being so picky. You know what we do when the church starts doing it? We go and find another church. That's what happens, right? This fruit that we're talking about This fruit that is produced, it's the evidence that we're walking in his will. We're walking after him. We're doing the right thing. So it's amazing when we think about all of this prayer talk. Here's what what Paul is telling us in a nutshell. So here's your file folder filled with files. Busy yourself with prayer, church. Busy yourself with prayer. Don't avoid it. Amen? Come on, I need you with me. Don't avoid it. 
Don't avoid it. I understand why at times past you may have avoided it. Because you didn't know what it looked like. You didn't know what you should pray. There's much more to be said about prayer. There's many other things that the scripture talks about with prayer. Jesus himself offers us a prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Part of prayer should be praise. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So some of our prayers should be, God, I want your rule and your reign to be over my life in every area, in all respects, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, I'm worried about my needs. I need you to provide those things for me. That's a part of prayer. You can add that to your folder if you'd like. Forgive us of our trespasses. Part of your prayer is repentance. Yeah, it's because you... Never mind, I'm not even going there with you people, right? Part of your prayer is repentance. Ask the person next to you, you need it. Not literally, don't do it right now. Mark said yes. Well, Emmy, we have, we have dinner at five, so you can come over anyway. Okay, so here's, here's the idea, guys. We've got a lot of things we could pray for. We should pray for forgiveness. Do you notice what it says in the Lord's Prayer? It says, Father, forgive us uh, our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. Did you know that your prayer includes a declaration that you will be a forgiving person? Here's what people pray in the modern church. Father, forgive me of my trespasses and help me to forgive other people. No, do it. (laughs) No, do it. Father, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who've trespassed against me. Thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. Lead us not into temptation. All these things. We've got a lot in our file folder. But here's what we need to understand. Busy yourself with prayer, number one. Number two, keep an attitude of thanksgiving inside of that prayer. Most of our prayer is is just petition to God. We're just complaining. We're just telling God how everything's not working out our way. How about you just look around and say, God, I thank you for my leaders. I pray that you'd give them boldness in declaring the gospel. And I pray that you would open doors for them as they do so. None of that requires mopiness. Okay? It's beautiful. And you can say, thank you, God, for my church. Thank you, God, for the people who walk beside me and sharpen me and help me and grow me. You could do that. You could also just complain all the time. But that's not what God has called us to, is it? Is it? And when the world sees that as our MO, they they don't see anything nice in that. They don't see anything beautiful in that. They don't see hope inside of us. It's not that prayer can't be petitioned, church. It's just that it needs to be with thanksgiving, okay? So one, busy yourself with prayer. Number two, keep an attitude of thanksgiving. Number three, pray for your leaders that they be given an open door for the gospel and that they would have the boldness to walk through it. Enough said. Number four, leaders, pray for your people. Pray that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will through spiritual wisdom and understanding so that they can do God's will and that to the glory of God. Church, I know that prayer is a complex idea. I know that it sometimes gets confusing to us. Again, sometimes we've over-spiritualized prayer haven't we? We've made it into something that we can't understand or can't get to the bottom of. But it really is simple. It really is simple. If you do nothing this week but give me 10 minutes of your time every morning and say, God, I pray that you would help Nathan to be able to share the gospel and to do so with boldness.
I will be eternally grateful. I will be eternally grateful. Why? Because I believe prayer matters. I believe petitioning the God of heaven matters. You guys all know my, my motto. I don't believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the God behind the prayer, right? I believe that God has power and we have a privilege to talk to him. We have a privilege to go before him. Even boldly, the scripture says. So if you do nothing else this week, give me 10 minutes and pray for me because I need it. Because I need it. I want to be bold in the gospel, in declaring the gospel. I want to go into the world and see it transformed by the power of God unto salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you get that down and you want to go to the advanced level, (laughs) right? Pray for your fellow brothers and sisters in this church. Pray that they would be given the knowledge of the will of God through spiritual understanding. Amen? Spend that time. Check it off on a checklist if that's the kind of person you are. Put it down and check it off and say, God, I prayed for this. Or Nathan, you know what? I've committed my time to praying for this. I'm not asking you to tell me so that I can give you a pat on the back. I'm asking you to to do this because I need it and your fellow believers need it. So start there. Start there with prayer. We'll move on through the years and through the, the... you know, through the time, Lord willing, to communicate what prayer looks like in its extended fashion. But guys, we have no excuse to make prayer the least uh, practiced spiritual discipline. It should be the first thing that we go to. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Rebuilding from Pierce Point Community Church. We hope that today's podcast will help you become a more connected part of Christ's body. Remember to check out our website at piercepoint.org for more information.